This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canivary. Thanks for joining us. By now, most people have heard of the 1921 massacre in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when white mobs attacked black residents, institutions, and wealth, destroying the town's Greenwood District, known as Black Wall Street. But far fewer people have heard of the Rosewood Massacre that took place here in Florida exactly 100 years ago. Over the course of seven days at the beginning of 1923, a white mob killed at least five black residents of the mostly black town of Rosewood, Florida, about 45 miles southwest of Gainesville, and burned every black-owned building in the town to the ground. According to a 1993 state report produced by Florida University professors, it all began when a 22-year-old white married woman accused a black man of assaulting her in her home, and local white residents took up arms and began searching for the culprit. Researchers said some black residents at the time and their descendants believed the woman's attacker was her white boyfriend and that she made up the story to protect her reputation. On today's show, I'm joined by two student reporters from the University of Florida's College of Journalism to talk about their story, Remembering Rosewood, Descendants Mark Racial Violence That Raised Florida Town 100 Years Ago. Let's hear that conversation now. Isabella Douglas is a Fresh Take Florida reporter for WUFT News in Gainesville. Isabella, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. Hello. So happy to be here. (laughs) And Zachary Carnell is a reporter for WUFT News. Zachary, thanks for being here as well. Hi, yeah. Thanks for having me. So for starters, tell us just a bit about yourself and where you are in school up there at UF. Isabella, you go first. Right. So um, my name is Isabella Douglas. I'm a junior at the University of Florida. Um, Right now, I'm a reporter and writer for Fresh Take Florida, which is an affiliate of WFT News, um, which is just a, a station in Gainesville, Florida and the University of Florida. Right now, um, I've kind of just did my sole focus in reporting for Fresh Take and WFT. But in the past, um, I've worked pretty heavily with the independent Florida Alligator um, as the digital managing editor, where I edit all the stories, make the print edition, um, code some websites as well, as well as report um, for the Alligator as well. Uh, Zachary, what about you? Yeah, so I'm a senior at the University of Florida in the, at their uh, College of Journalism and Communications. And I uh, just started working with Fresh Take Florida the, this semester, and I'll be continuing to work with them throughout the semester. Uh, I've worked with the Independent Florida Alligator in the past, as well as WUFT News. And I have a history uh, working on uh, articles related to race, uh, kind of just by happenstance, honestly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's always, you know, a great opportunity to, to work on stories like these ones. How did this project come to you both? Uh, Zachary, we'll stick with you. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've lived in Florida all my life. I'm a seventh generation Floridian, and I'd never heard about this. Uh, not, not until uh, a professor of mine at UF, uh, Ted Brightis, he's also our editor at Fresh Take Florida. He brought it to our attention and asked if anyone would be willing to cover it over winter break. And um, Isabella and I quickly volunteered uh, because it was just clear that this was an important story with a history of being forgotten. Uh, I mean, it received nationwide coverage at the time, but then for the next 50, 60 years, it was just kind of out of sight, out of mind. Newspapers didn't really follow up on it. The state legislature didn't take it very seriously. And more importantly, residents of Rosewood and their descendants were just afraid to talk about it. I mean, understand this is this is this was a really tight-knit community 
where everyone knew everyone. And then it was just destroyed in a week with no recourse provided by the state. So for a long time, they were just scared to speak up. And it really wasn't until the 80s uh, that people started to become more aware of what happened, thanks to investigative journalists, Gary Moore, I think. Yeah, yeah. thanks, to, thanks to journalists uh, for bringing the story back. Um, uh, Isabella, yeah. were you at all familiar with this or was this completely new to you too? Right. Yeah, it was also um, completely new to me. Like Zach was saying, we, we heard about the story from our professor and I immediately started researching it. Um, and I was like, no one knows about this town. And I, I think that's because that the, the town doesn't exist anymore. Um, so I, I definitely wanted to start reporting on, on the story right away and, and understand why, um, why no one knows about it um, and just relay the importance of it. Uh, before we get to the details of what happened uh, over that week 100 years ago, um, you know, Isabella, we'll stick, we'll stick with you for starters. How does it feel, you know, to be a student at UF, which is about an hour away from where this happened, and know that your you know, fellow students for decades in, throughout the history of UF, history students, journalism students, were not aware of this story? What, what does that make you feel or what do you think about when, you know, in the times we're in especially? Right. Um, it's a bit unfortunate, I, I will say. Um, like I was saying before, um, I, I think it's, I think no one's heard of Rosewood, unlike, um, like the Tulsa riots, um, is because it's just a town that doesn't exist anymore, which it's, it's 45 minutes away from Gainesville. So this history should be told. Um, and I think it's, it's up to, to journalists like us to, to just kind of relay the message to, to talk about this history. There's another, um, part as well. I talked to, a descendant named Jonathan Barry Blocker, who's actually an attorney and law professor at UF, who became more active in, in learning about the Rosewood massacre and in his family history because of the Black Lives Matter. And um, I, I think that's an important um, facet to tell about the story as well. Hmm. So, so the sort of the cultural uh, occurrences over the past few years made it more important for him to want to go back and look. Yes, exactly. Uh, same question that I was uh, that I originally asked to you, Zachary. You know, what's it make you think? Or you know, had you talked to your professor Brightus about you know students who were trying to become journalists and learn about history and Florida history went decades at UF not really learning about this? With, with um, you're saying like past students at UF? Not yeah, really yeah, you know, I mean, you know, UF's been there for a long time. I mean, you know, there were students in the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s going through University mm -hmm. of Florida studying these topics and were completely unaware of it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, um, so specifically with Rosewood, uh, I mean, I think 100 years is a big deal. I think that number in particular really sticks out. And sorry, that's my dog in the background. But I think um, 100 years, that's a, that's a, big number and um, I think it can feel like it was uh, really far away but I mean really we're just a couple generations removed from it I mean there were survivors um, who were present in the 90s to, when when they were trying to get the claims bill passed to get reparations and they testified as far as um, the history of my peers honestly I'm not too familiar with the history of them covering these stories or stories related to it. But I just know that Ted Brightus, it was really important to my editor that we covered this. And when I saw it myself, it was really important to me that 
I help shine light on it. Understood. Fair enough. You you don't know what your predecessors did or did not know, know or do. Um, did did either of you spend time in what's left of Rosewood? I mean, there is a little bit of a town there now. I looked it up on Google Maps. Did you go there at all for the story, or have you been there? Um, yes. So we we did go um, to Rosewood, which is um, by Cedar Key, Florida, in Levy County. Our, our journey kind of took us first to. Um, Lizzie Robinson Jenkins house. Um, her house is like a museum. Um, we went in and she started telling us the history of Rosewood, how it's impacted her and her family, um, showed us a bunch of family heirlooms as well from, from the time, including handkerchiefs, uh, a metal coin purse, um, and just all her research that she's put into it. And after we, we left her house, we, we immediately went to, um, this train station right by her house, um, which has a has a mar- marker um, for her aunt, um, who was the Rosewood school teacher at the time. And then after that, we we went to the Rosewood marker, and we we saw the the importance what what was just what was just left of Rosewood. Um, the marker that you saw there in Rosewood, that's at the the right store. That was the only building left standing, right? Correct. Hmm. Well, let's talk about the story of what happened. You know, can, you know, who wants to go first to try to just explain to our listeners the events that unfolded over those seven days? I can re- really quick uh, walk through it a little bit. I mean, you know, just because it was really important to me, you know, I, I, both of us, but just me as an aspiring investigative journalist, uh, it's really important to me that I get all the details accurate uh, and making sure we get this story right. And the best way I can summarize it is that Rosewood was a tight-knit community that was destroyed due to racial violence. And that destruction didn't really receive any meaningful compensation or recognition from the state, uh, not not for decades. And, you know, there are little details along the way that, um, you know, when, when you're trying to, Maxine Jones, I mentioned her in the article, she was um, the principal investigator uh, for the reparations that were received in the 90s. And she said, you know, as a historian, this is just something that really resonated with me as I was thinking through this story. As a historian, you know, you can, everybody has a story, you know, that's something she's learned. And um, there are a hundred different stories about what happened in Rosewood, but it really just comes down to that. The, the, the basic truth at the center of this is that Rosewood was destroyed unlawfully. And it was a long time before there was any before there was any reparations for what happened. How many people were killed? I, I've seen a couple conflicting numbers, so it's not entirely sure. But was it um, mm. uh, five or six black people and two white people ended up dying during this w- this week? Yeah, I think it was so seven in total, five five black people, two white people. But of course, you know, there's there's it could definitely be more than that. That's just what's been confirmed. But, uh, you know, uh, as I talked about in the article, uh, it can be hard to follow up with some of the descendants uh, of, of people who lost their homes there because, um, or who had, who had ancestors there uh, because they're scared to talk. And a lot of them changed their names and it just made it difficult to find these people and to kind of unravel some of the history of what happened. So um, specifically in Rosewood, it was seven people has been confirmed. But it definitely could be more than that. And also remember that there were um, similar lynchings and burnings going on around Rosewood um, where people lost their lives. So it's not um, 
in Rosewood, it was just that. But even beyond Rosewood, uh, there were there were there were similar uh, similar tragedies. And this was during a time, you know, there was the Tulsa uh, massacre that you alluded to, which happened, I believe, uh, two years prior to this. Um, and then there's one that I hadn't, I was not aware of that I learned through this story was the Okoe uh, massacre, which took place uh, sort of um, to the west of, of Orlando, where, you know, I don't know if they have accurate numbers on that, but it looks like, you know, even more uh, black residents were killed there than either Rosewood or Tulsa. I, were you familiar with that before this reporting either? No, no. Yeah, no. I mean, honestly, um, this was a really important learning experience for me. I just, I think all the lynchings and burnings that went around at that time, uh, I was not familiar with. I mean, I was familiar with Tulsa. I mean, that, that, I feel like that's the one people hear about a lot. But no, I mean, I really, before reporting on this, I, I didn't know much at all. And so I'm happy I had the opportunity to. I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guests. Isabella Douglas is a Fresh Take Florida reporter for WUFT News in Gainesville. And Zachary Carnell is a reporter for WUFT News and a Fresh Take Florida reporter as well. They're co-writers of Remembering Rosewood, Descendants Mark Racial Violence that Raised Florida Town 100 Years Ago. It was just published by the University of Florida College of Journalism's Fresh Take Florida News Service. Over the course of seven days at the beginning of 1923, a white mob killed at least five black residents of the mostly black town of Rosewood, Florida. It's just about 45 minutes southwest of Gainesville, and they ended up burning every black-owned building to the ground. If you'd like to engage with the show about today's topic or any of our episodes, just find us on social media. We're on Facebook and we're on Twitter. You mentioned earlier Lizzie Robbins Jenkins. Can you go back and just tell us a little bit more about her and her connection to this story? Um, Yes. So Lizzie Robinson Jenkins um, was the first descendant that we really reached out to. We had noticed um, just through other newspapers and reports um, her her heavy ties to Rosewood. And as we were talking with her, um, we learned that she was a direct descendant of the school teacher um, at Rosewood. And um, her mother, in fact, the, the, the sister of the um, school teacher. She was the one who who entrusted um, Lizzie Jenkins with the mission to to keep Rosewood alive. During um, nights, she would gather her her children around and and retell the story of Rosewood and everything that happened. And at five years old, um, Lizzie Jenkins was just you know fully in, invested in, in learning about the story and and hearing the story. And her mother saw that in her and just entrusted this one mission for her, like keep keep Rosewood alive. Don't let people forget about Rosewood. Um, our history is important. And so that's what um, Lizzie Jenkins has been doing. She started a foundation herself. Um, she's going out talking to people that she can just to just to tell the story of Rosewood. Um, and the other person who you also talked to is a guy named Gregory Doctor, and you've already alluded to uh, the the Florida legislature took this issue up in the 90s. It was Gregory Doctor's uh, cousin, right, Arnett Doctor, who in 1992 began pursuing at least sort of an apology from the state. What can you tell us about him? And then we can talk about what the state actually wound up doing. Right. So Gregory Doctor, um, he, he didn't learn about the Rosewood Massacre until he was about 19 years old, so so much later um, than than some descendants. 
his grandmother, Thelma Hawkins, she, like most um, survivors, took this vow of silence, um, just never to speak about it. It was a, a taboo topic around Christmas time, especially when the family would get together. Um, he was telling me a bit about how, you know, during that Christmas time, the, the kids would go out to play while the adults would huddle up together. And once he returned inside, it was just like kind of this air of sadness going on. He wasn't really sure what was what anyone has been talking about, um, that sort of thing. But when he was 19, he he learned about it. And um, he kind of just kept it in the back of his mind until his, his cousin um, started going to legislatures and and to um the law firm Holland and Knight to um to work to to get an apology from the state um to work to get reparations and then in 1994 Zachary can you tell us about Florida House Bill 950 or 591 yeah yeah so this um this was essentially the culmination of decades and decades of silence like uh, I, I think finally um descendants decided that you know, it was time to do something about the damage they sustained uh, and their ancestors. And so essentially this allotted uh, a little over $2 million in uh, reparations for these descendants and their ancestors uh, who were alive at the time. Uh, it also uh, paved the way for uh, scholarships for some descendants. Uh, and there's still, I think over 350 uh, have benefited from those scholarships. The craziest thing about it is that this was actually the first time uh, in U.S. history that a state had um, kind of recognized and compensated people who had suffered racial violence in this way. Uh, and so it was a big deal. And I think up until that point, just having spoken to a lot of descendants, they felt like that they had kind of just been not really that their their tragedy hadn't really been recognized by the state and what they went through. And so it was a big deal in that it was kind of some official recognition they finally got from the state, as well as some compensation. Uh, I believe I think they actually wanted more, but it was still um, it was still a really good a big step in the right direction. Do you know if historians are still looking to find facts about this story to be able to you know be more accurate with what we know? I, I found one researcher. I think he graduated from UF, but now he's a professor in Texas, but he's doing ground penetrating radar or something like that. Are you at all aware of, of that work? Not specifically the professor in Texas, but I know that, I mean, um, Lizzie Robinson Jenkins has a book that's going to be coming out soon that's going to explore it. Uh, the Rosewood Heritage Foundation, uh, I think, is going to be updating. They, they have a book called Rosewood at a Glance um, that they're going to be updating that this year, I believe. But, you know, yeah, there's there's a lot. I mean, I think Gary Moore might still be doing some work on it as well, uh, just ha- having spoken to other descendants. Um, was that and, the uh, the reporter who originally reported on this? Yeah, yeah. He was the the investigative journalist that kind of brought it into the limelight. And um, so I believe he still does some research. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to find out. And even, I mean, yeah, I mean, Lizzie, Lizzie Jenkins, she's been working on this for 30, 40 years and she's still finding new details about it. Um, so there's there's a lot to this story, uh, and I, I definitely think there's uh, room for more research, for sure. Um, I don't know if you have all the details at hand, but there are a number of Rosewood Centennial anniversary events happening this week, right, up there around Gainesville? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is it, are you guys gonna be attending any of them? Are you involved in any of them? 
So a little bit more about the events. Um, it's going to happen uh, January 7th through the 14th at the University of Florida. There's going to be a couple events, like you were saying, with um, performances, um, talks about race relations, um, you know, watching the Rosewood movie and then ending with the, the Black Tie Awards Gala. Um, personally, I might be going to a couple of the events just to um, experience, maybe report a little as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll probably, I'll, I'll definitely be there on the eighth. They're having, they're having a commemorative event, uh, and so I'll be attending. Uh, I know Gregory Black and Lizzie Jenkins have expressed that they'd like to see us there, and so I definitely uh, want to be there, kind of show my support, and also uh, I might do some reporting on it. But really, I just want to just kind of be a part of kind of doing my part and making sure uh, this story stays alive. Um, last question. At the top of the web post for this story, there's a Rosewood song, uh, which I listened to. It was really moving, and uh, it tells the story. Uh, who is that singing, and what can you tell us about the origin of that song? So that's um, that's actually Lizzie Robinson Jenkins. Uh, oh. She, uh, yeah, she wrote it along. I think her mom uh, gave her the lyrics back in the 90s, I believe, uh, 80s or 90s. And then she kind of took that and molded it a little bit. And that's her, that's her voice you're hearing there. And yeah, like you said, it's kind of just takes you through all the series of events. Um, and that was just, I think that, that was actually when we went to visit her in, at, in her house in Archer. And as soon as we, she told us about it, we were like, she, she started singing it and we we're like, we need to record this. This is such a, um, this is such a great summary of what happened. And you can hear the emotion in her voice, too. So Wow. So that um, was not yeah. something that she gave you. That was something you recorded while sitting there watching her sing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We were there in her house. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you guys both for your work and for helping us inform our audience about this um, event that took place 100 years ago. Uh, Zachary Carnell is a reporter for WUFT News uh, and a Fresh Take Florida reporter. Zachary, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Isabella Douglas is a Fresh Take Florida reporter for WUFT News up in Gainesville. Isabella, thanks to you as well. Thank you. You can find a link to their story and a radio story by Florida Public Radio's Lynn Hatter that brings you some of the voices we talked about today on our website, wgcu.org gcl. If you missed any of the show today, you can hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1 and WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida. Rosewood, Florida, borders Highway 24. A destroyed town, no blacks live there anymore. Where emptiness resides in the silent sacred breeze. Life there no more, only nature's moss hung trees. Rosewood, Florida once was a growing community, linked with chains of love and family unity. Families were linked with wholesome friendship, and each link represented a special kinship in this productive southern town of Rosewood. Here, the families bonded, and they understood each other's life in their unique neighborhood. 
Lordy, 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 Rosewood used to be real good until a little old sleazy woman with a cheating heart triggered the Rosewood massacre and the colored had to depart. They ran for their lives in the middle of the night. They'd heard the mob was coming to start a hideous fight. Run, 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 run on for your life. Oh, Lord, hide anywhere. Just try to survive. Children followed their leaders with fear in their soul and almost froze to death because it was so cold. They were told not to move by the ones in charge, but trying to keep silent was awfully hard. Messages were sent to them by Sheriff Bob Walker. Listen out for John Rye, the designated talker. The Cedar Key train conductors were told to pick up in Rosewood. Standing by the tracks with the lantern, its young school teachers stood, waiting in desperation to carry out the sheriff's plans. Rounding up the hidden survivors to board the midnight train. The sheriff and the store owner worked around the clock. Informed the train conductors just when and where to stop. Pick up the men, women, and children who were hiding out. And bring them to Archer, Florida, traveling the same old route. Bob Walker and John Wright took on a daring risk. Put the survivors on the train, Lord, and sent them off with a kiss. Notified the Gainesville families to be on the lookout for their kin. Told them the train was a-coming and told them exactly when. John and William Bryce headed on up the track. Dropping off other survivors, not taking the time to look back. Counting heads and making a list, doing what they knew they should. To report to Sheriff Bob Walker back down in Rosewood. Waldo Stark, Law T. Maxville. The train kept chugging along. Baldwin Callahan, K-Town, Brightsville would soon become their home. The fanny tale of lie had ruined their lives and her story didn't set too well. Deep down within each survivor's heart, they knew one day they would have a story to tell. About Rosewood, Florida, once a growing community, until the fighting started in 1923. No one ever thought Rosewood would go down in death. That brought on so much pain and unforgettable distress. Countywide shame, statewide shame, worldwide shame. That brought on so much painful shame, oh Lord, an unforgettable distress. Thank you.